and welcome. Thank you for being here tonight. We're going to go ahead and begin with a time of prayer and uh, go to the Lord and just ask that he uh, meet the needs of this body as we do that. Tonight, I would uh, remind you, Pastor Mike and Sheila are traveling this week on vacation his fam- with the family, so uh, please be mindful of that. Continue to pray for them as they travel. And um, let's just uh, go ahead and stand together this evening and, and begin our time together with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here tonight. I just ask, Lord God, that you would be with us in this place as we um, open your word and, and, and look to your word, God, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have for us this evening. Lord, I just pray that you would meet each and every need that's represented in this room. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can bring our needs and our requests and our petitions to you and know, God, that your word declares that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and that you hear and you answer when we pray. And Lord, we just ask that you would meet those needs. We lift our pastor and his family to you as they travel. I pray that you would continue to be with them. Just keep a hedge of protection around them. Keep them healthy. Keep them safe. And bring them home this weekend, Father, refreshed and renewed in their bodies and in their spirits. And uh, Lord, as uh, again, as we open your word tonight, I pray that you would speak to us. Let it come alive within each one of us and change us before we leave this place this evening. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we give him the praise. We all said... Amen. Well, thank you again. You can be seated, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, let me just very quickly remind you, don't forget service, of course, this weekend, but then coming up over the next couple of weeks, July the 2nd, is Celebrate America. The menu board is out in the lobby. If you can stop by and sign up, the church is providing the meal, uh, asking uh, some of the folks to bring uh, sides. There's a place to sign up out in the lobby. Uh, And then don't forget, um, the very next week, July the 9th, we'll have a baptism service following the 1045 service that morning. And then July 23rd, uh, watch your mail and your email. That will be the day that we have set aside to honor Pastor Mike and Sheila for 30 years of ministry here at Bethel Temple. So keep those dates in mind. And then also VBS starts uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday, uh, Sunday night through Wednesday night, 6 o'clock here each evening. So get your kids and grandkids, neighborhood kids Get them here. It's called uh, Making Waves. Uh, so Making Waves VBS, again, here at 6 o'clock, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. So be faithful to, to that as well, okay? Well, you are in for a treat tonight. Cindy Mangrum is going to come and speak. Um, Cindy went through, what, two years ago probably? The DSOM, two to three years ago, finished DSOM, which is a step within the Assemblies of God uh, that you would take to pursue credentials to be credentialed with the assemblies, uh, same route that Brenda took. Uh, so Cindy completed that just within the last two or three years, and she is going to come tonight. I know all this group right here would have been here no matter what. It's just a coincidence that they're here and she's speaking. Um, I'm sure if it was me speaking, they'd all be sitting right here just chomping at the bit, ready to go. Uh, but we are thrilled that you're here, and I know she is going to bless you tonight as she comes and minister. So would you help her out and encourage her a little bit and put your hands together and make her welcome tonight? Thank you, Pastor Brent. Woo! Am I nervous? Just a little. Just a little. You think after I've done this, but I've never been asked to fill in for Pastor Mike. And so um, I had my entry, but Pastor Brent did all that. So I do want to say this, though. 
unless you want to be with a bunch of kids, don't come next Wednesday because this won't be happening. This will be all decorated. We'll be making waves. And so you'll, if you walk in and you see a bunch of kids, just you can either sit, you can hang, I don't care. But uh, just know it's going to be loud. It's going to be screaming. It's going to be messy. So, but just remember next week, just you'll get a night off, and it, it all belongs to the kids. So, um, you know, I was, um, I'll skip what I was going to say other than, you know, welcome and, you know, praying for needs and things like that. Pastor Brent's family is actually leaving Friday. So don't forget their family is going to be traveling on vacation as well. So remember them. And um, so I'm going to skip all this that I had. Oh, Vacation Bible School covered that. Um, Then let me see. Let me see if I missed anything. Um, I do want to do a little brief um, tell y'all that, you know, my daughter Callie, I don't know. I think everyone heard now that she is pregnant with her little boy. Uh, A lot of prayers, a lot of tears. she had gone through two rounds of infertility treatments, and she lost those babies. But this one worked. So I thank you guys for prayers. I thank guy, y'all for just remembering her. Uh, when I spoke at the uh, senior luncheon in February, um, it was soon after that we found out she was pregnant. So I thank y'all for that. And uh, so we know we're all excited for that. So... Um, I also want to mention something else. How many of you know about our Tuesday night prayer with the pastor? I mean, not Tuesday night. We have Tuesday night prayer, but we also have Tuesday morning. If you can spare your 9 a.m. on a Tuesday, find the time. Your pastors are here, and they may be busy. Some may be here sometimes, and some of them won't be. But let me tell you something. That hour that we get... Jennifer can tell you, Ashley can tell you, Linda, who, who else, um, Zelda, Paula. It is just amazing. There have been stories shared. We have praise reports, but yet we bring to God what we need. And then afterwards, we meet down here, and then we like we will do our praise reports or and we'll pray for one another's and needs and needs around the congregation. So I really would like to encourage y'all. And then Mr. Terry does want prayer on Tuesday nights. So there's two opportunities to bring what you're carrying with you on Tuesday night prayer So and Tuesday morning. So um, I want to thank my little um, cheering section. <laughs> I went to Miss Brenda's class and I said, hey, if you want the night off, you can come hear me. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So I thank you, Allison and Eric, and then my little, my girls. Oh, go, okay, Taylor, my daughter, Ray's, and then my daughter-in-law, Sarah, and, you know, and Terry's supposed to be up in choir, but he said, oh, I'll come listen to you, and Brent scolded him and said, you could just go back and watch her. It's live, and I'm like, oh, no, it's live. Please don't go live. So, but that's okay, and so, so this is how I came to this topic. I, I, um, when Mike approached me about speaking, I was like, uh, are you sure you got the right girl? I'm looking, okay, no one else is in the room. Well, here comes my son. <laughs> now my son Trent's here. Bless his heart, he just got off work. And so I said, okay, and I go, uh, that's three weeks away. When Miss Betty asked me to speak, I usually get a few months. 
Pastor Mike gave me three weeks. But something had happened a few weeks prior to that, and I said, God, if you ever give me a chance to speak, you just gave me my topic. And it was funny, then three weeks later, Pastor Mike's asking me to preach. So I said, okay, God, I heard you. I'll I'll tell everyone what stupid thing I did. So I'm sharing that later. I'm sharing it later. But so that's why tonight my lesson is actually going to be grace for a hurting world. So that's how I, well, most, of course, most of you know on Wednesday nights, I am upstairs uh, with the children's ministry. I teach third and fourth grade girls, but I'm at first we start out with all the kids and then I move in. Um, if you ever get sleep insomnia and you cannot sleep, just come on up. Just come on up. Ask Terry. I literally go home and I fall in that bed. I'm like, and then that's the best sleep of my life. Because those kids are hopped up on sugar, Mountain Dew. I don't care. I don't know what their mamas feed them, but when they come up here, oh heavens, it is crazy. But anyway, I just want to throw that in there. But so tonight, my lesson is coming from one verse. In that verse is Matthew 18:33. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? So when I got to thinking about what happened to me a few weeks ago, I was like, wow, wow, did that just happen to me? Okay, okay, got it. And so I just started thinking, wow, the grace of God. If I was just given this much grace, how much more is God giving us? But the dictionary defines grace as the free and unmerited favor of God. So in other words, grace is God's undeserved kindness. It is his gift to us, given freely and without any strings attached. So how many of you out there like free things? I do. Now, I don't like the free samples at Sam's and Costco. You know, I don't really care for that. But now, if I begin to order a dress, or if it says if you buy two of these, you can have a free purse, or how about this free pair of earrings to go with it, count me in because I want free things. But when we talk about God's grace, his grace is free without even asking. Because he loves us, he gives us his grace without any strings attached. Now, that other stuff, I have to buy something. So there's a little bit of strings attached to get that free purse or those free earrings. Or maybe, man, you could get a free screwdriver. I don't know. Terry spends a lot of time at Home Depot. Maybe he gets free things, and he just doesn't tell me what he gets. So um, that's what I know. But I got to thinking, I've been really loving reading the Old Testament. And so when I got to looking at, okay, yeah, I know grace started when God died on the, when Jesus died for our sins. You know, that's a lot of grace right there. But the concept of grace did not start in the New Testament. It's woven all through the Old Testament. And the concept, it just didn't begin in the New. It began in the Old But when we do talk about God's grace, it's so easy to focus on the examples of teachings of Jesus. But God didn't suddenly just go, oh, I'm gracious. Here you go. Have some. No. He became gracious in the Old Testament. So, of course, David tells us in Psalms 86, 15, that the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, 
slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. But before that also in Exodus 34, 6, this had already been said. This is a time when Moses had been up on Mount Sinai Got the nice, new, beautiful, new test, um, old, what am I, gosh, Ten Commandments. Thank you. Thank you. And so anyway, he came down to see the Israelites all sinning, not doing what they wanted. And so he got upset, and he threw them down. So it says right here in Exodus 34, 4 through 7, So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up. He went back up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And so the Lord passed in front of him, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. So you see here, he had already been gracious. He already saw what the Israelites were doing. Poor Moses, been up there 40 days, 40 nights, comes down with these great-looking Ten Commandments, gets angry, crashes and burns. There they are. But yet, here he comes back. Come on, Moses, let's do it again. I've seen what they're doing, but I'm going to let that go. Come back up. So he went up a second time to get another copy. And so God reminds us no matter what, he's loving and gracious, maintaining his love to thousands and forgiving. And he continues to keep giving the Israelites more and more and more chances. Time and time again, he looks down. They're just misbehaving. Constantly, We could actually probably have some posters made. When you forget how gracious God is, let's just make some posters and put the Israelites just all nice there and standing and put grace given at any given moment. And so I uh, just, you know, amazes me all that Moses went through, but yet God continued to forgive them. But so that's not the first, and it won't be the last. And there's so many more stories where God extends his grace. Israelites probably being the biggest one, but there's more. So my next example is Noah. Everyone knows the story of Noah. I mean, it's probably the most popular. Even Pastor Brent, I mean, Mark, on Sunday, I said, listen, I didn't take my lesson from you. I heard your lesson. And he's like, yeah, don't be stealing my stuff, Cindy. I said, I didn't steal it. So... There was only one man found at that time to be righteous in God's eyes, and it was, it was Noah. In the book of Genesis, it tells us in uh, chapter 6, verse 8, that Noah, that God found Noah, he had favor in the eyes of the Lord. And God loved Noah a lot. I mean, he did not want, but God was so discouraged, and he was angry that he had built made this world beautiful. He took six days to make everything perfect, everything good. And here he's got these people just down here doing what they want, sinning and playing and who knows what they were doing. And God was mad. But yet there was one. There was one person. It was Noah and his family. They were found to be righteous. 
So the world that God had created, he decided he was going to destroy. Now, when you read it, you can almost feel the pain that God had. He didn't want to destroy what he built, but I guess he didn't see a way out. You know, it's kind of like that old saying, I know you've heard it, and I know you've probably said it. I think Mike has said it. But it's like what we tell our kids. I made you, I created you, and I can take you out. Well, that's exactly what God was going to do. But he didn't want Noah to perish because Noah and his family still were righteous. But the thing about it is, is he was such the most perfect engineer. Just like if you get a house set of house plans, they're perfectly drawn. The plumbing's in place. The electrical's in place. It's the same thing with the ark. Dimension by dimension, perfect for Noah and his family and for each animal two by two to get on that ark and be protected from the next thing that was going to follow. You know, the others, those other people could have turned around. They could have seen Moses living right, but they didn't. If they would have just done the same thing and been in righteousness and chose God over the world, they would have lived but instead, God said, I just don't know what to do. I'm just going to destroy it and start all over. Maybe he didn't even want to start all over. But I guess he probably decided that because he was leaving people left. And he wanted his animals saved. But the thing about the biggest part of the grace is that it's not complete, actually, until you tell the story of the first thing that Noah did when he exited the ark. And that was to properly honor God for that grace. Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21 says, The Lord was pleased. The altar aroma was pleasing to the Lord. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse the ground again for man's sake, nor will I destroy everything as I have done. See, God didn't want to do that. He knew he had worked tirelessly and hard. And I can imagine he probably was hurt that he did this. But I guess he saw a no way out. Sometimes like us, when we don't see a way out of our problems, we try to fix it ourselves instead of relying on God to give us the answers. So he just did what he thought was best. And I know this gave him such sorrow, but in his heart he probably thought it was best. So the act that Noah showed was what came first in his heart, in his life. Noah's heart was that he had to acknowledge what God had done and to be thankful. He worshiped God and acknowledged he needed God. He, he honored and praised God because he knew he had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So then my next person was Moses. Exodus thirty-three, twelve. You have said... I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. You know, guys, Moses was flawed. You know, he was arrogant, stubborn. He doubted, yet God would faithfully walk with him. The more time Moses spent with God, the more Moses learned truly how faithful God was. You know, Moses didn't want that job of going to Pharaoh all those times saying, let, let his people go. Let my people go. But he used him. He couldn't even put a sentence together. He was a stutterer. He wasn't, I guess, an eloquent speaker. But it didn't matter. 
God chose him. God chose even a man who murdered someone. Murdered a man who was hurting the Israelites. But it didn't matter. Yet he walked with him and he put him in charge of probably one of the biggest jobs in the Bible. And that was leading the Israelites to their promised land. In verse 13, Moses continues to ask God to teach him his ways so he may know God on a deeper level and can be in his favor. So I, I like that word favor. I've been trying to... This is a story I have to tell you. So one night, the ladies, I'm glad Brenda's in here. So the ladies' ministry was going to the leaders. We were going to go to Charleston's. And so uh, I got there a little early and just to try to get us the table. And so the ladies were like, well, you can't have your table till everyone's here. I said, okay. So everyone gets here, and then we walk back to the table all day long. I said, oh, I just want that round table. I just want that round table so all us ladies can be around and talk. And so we get, and they put us in the round table. And I looked at Miss Brenda, and I said, ooh, I wanted this table. She goes, that's some favor of God right there, Cindy. And I was like, really? I really never thought about that. You ever thought about it when you go to the store, and you're in a hurry, and you pull up to H-E-B, and you got the front parking place? And you're like, yes. I mean, those are little favors. I was just so excited. I had to share that because I was. So now every time something goes my way, Oh, yeah, favor of God. Woohoo! So, anyway. But, anyway, Moses doubted God at every turn. Yet God graciously guided him. God doesn't make mistakes when he chooses. When he chooses you and you. He wants to empower. Remember that the next time you question God about me. You want me to do that? Just like tonight when Pastor Mike goes, you. And I'm like, me? <laughs> There's so other me, so people so more deserving than me being here. But I praise God for letting me do this. So, talking about people being, we've, we've been down the road with Noah. We've been down the road with Moses. But probably my favorite one is Rahab. Rahab. A harlot and a prostitute. Okay? You think on that. God will use anybody that he seems deemed fit. This isn't fit, but it doesn't matter because he knows what's down the line. She was not of great reputation, a sinner unworthy of grace. But what Rahab had learned is that she had started hearing the stories of the God of Israel. And she began believing in the God of Israel and of heaven. So she heard the stories and saw their gods, their fake idols, not doing anything. Those, those idols weren't doing a thing for them. But this God was moving mountains, getting people released. And she was like, yeah, I want to believe in that God. And in Joshua 2.11, the Lord, your God, is God in heaven, above, on, on the earth, below, telling the spies that she had heard the stories of their God, and she believed those stories. And so, with her faith and kindness, she requested from the spies. She decided that, okay, you need me to hide you. I'm going to hide you. And so, she decided, but I want something in return. She goes, I help you. You help me. They shook on it. Deal. I'm sure they did that. Deal. 
we got it. So she hid them out for three days, and they, she said, don't you? Or she hid them, and then they left, and they hid out for three days. And then, of course, verse 14, I skipped that. The spies tell Rahab, our lives for your lives. An agreement was made, and since she sneaks them out. And so Rahab lies to the king's messenger. So we're lying, but that's okay. She's, there's a purpose in this lie. <laughs> Saving the lives of the spies. And so when Jericho was attacked, Rahab and her family were saved. She bravely bargained for her life and that of her family. Her choice of career, though, probably made her pretty tough with men, I would imagine. You know, she probably got tired of, you know, I wouldn't say that's a great career choice, but um, it probably made her tough. She knew how to handle men. So she probably wasn't afraid to do, to ask them and be bold. But I think her newfound belief in God gave her strength to ask for mercy for her family because she had already seen and heard the stories. But this, of course, is how God works and why when you study your Bible, you have to smile. <laughs> Rahab, here's this, this is so cool, I guess, when you study your Bible. Rahab becomes David's great-grandma, great-great-grandma. A man after God's own heart, David, and then Jesus was born from her lineage. God took a prostitute, turned her life around, and there she have it. Oh, I just love it. It's why there's so much hope. There's just so much hope. The grace of God is all over these stories. It just amazes me. So no matter what your past is or what it was, he can use you. That is what is so great about God. He loves us so much. Even if you're rotten, stinky, rotten to the core, he can turn your life around. Rahab found her one true God, and she served him for the rest of her days. Could go on and on. There's David, of course, Sarah, and Abraham, Joseph. But God uses us no matter our hang-ups, our failures, our past, our sinful nature. God can change and use us for his glory. Your story needs to be told. And there's a saying that, you know, it's a song even. If you don't tell your story, God don't, God don't get the glory, guys. But some may be a little harder to talk about. Some are easy, some are not. I've heard ladies get up here, and us ladies in our ministry, these women will get up here and tell their stories, and we're all blubbering down there. One day I pray that I have the confidence and the grace enough to get in front of people and tell my story. So when um, I was thinking about this, speaking it tonight, I, I have a story about one time where evil tried to take my family out. And um, the day was October the 24th, 2015. And this is my first story about God's grace. It was a beautiful day in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Callie's senior year at Oklahoma State. We had gone to the homecoming state parade, and this thing is huge. And it was, it was Callie's senior year, so we really wanted to go. And so we'd gone to the parade. We got there a little late, and so it was trying hard to find a good place to park. So we found a place to park. In fact, I think we actually parked in Panera Bread and just cheated. And so we got into Panera Bread, and then so we just, this was the tail end of the parade. So, and it makes the corner, so there's this intersection and so the parade comes down, it goes through the lights, the intersection comes back around and goes up that way. 
So we had watched the parade for quite a while. Then there was a big lull, and we're like, what? Well, this is kind of boring. So there was a store back behind us across from Panera Bread, and I said, hey, let's go get some T-shirts. And so it was me, Terry, uh, Callie, and her friend Tyler at the time. And so we had gone, and we'd come out of the store, and we said, well, we better go finish up the parade. And so we were walking out. We're just all, because the, the, this road was blocked. There was no one coming in the parade. The, the parade was turning this direction, and we were just walking down it. And I'm walking with Terry, and I, I see out the corner of my eye, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's not right. That car's not supposed to be doing that. And I said, that car's not stopping. I started screaming at Terry, and I grabbed him, and I said, Terry, that car's not stopping. That car plowed in to those people where we had been standing. And I'm not telling you this other than that God spared us that day. Because I'm telling you straight up, that car literally, she was driving. And where we were standing at that intersection, that she just plowed. Now everyone, Terry and Tyler run. Me and Callie are just crying. Callie grabs my phone. She puts it on Facebook. Please, everybody, pray, pray. A car has hit people. People were everywhere. I just remember. Me and I, I ran and I ran and we just stood there. And Callie and I just held each other. I watched Terry and Tyler administer help to people. Terry even went to the car that the girl was driving. Everyone's like, oh, maybe she had a stroke. Maybe she had a, a, an episode and she just lost control. But I sat there and watched people lay there. And all I could think was, wow, we just stood there. And so as we were there, Callie and I stood there. Terry was helping. Tyler was helping. Don't laugh. This is the Panera Bread box that Callie held on to that whole day. She never put it down. And we got back to the hotel I looked at this box, and I brought it home, and it's in my pantry. And every time I look at it, that's my grace box. Why did God spare my family? I watched, out of that, three people died and a little boy. Forty-seven people were injured that day. But this is my grace box. It still has Panera bread in it. That tells you not to eat this stuff because it's still in there. And this was when? 2015, guys. Almost 10 years. But I think about it, what? My, my son and, and my daughter, daughter-in-law, Sarah, they didn't go that morning. And their little girl, Kinley, they didn't go. They were tired because the football day is a long day. And I just imagine, what if Sarah and Trent didn't walk back with us to the store? And Kinley would have been hit. You know, you can't really think on those things, but you do. But then all I could think about was, and now that I'm here, and I think upon that now, I think where God has brought me. I was living for God, but I wasn't living for God. He spared my family, but yet we, we cried and we hugged and we talked to people that day. And it's something you'll never forget. When God gives you that much grace, you better start thinking, what purpose is mine in this? And Callie's in children's ministry teaching, and I'm up here teaching. My family's coming to church. I had a brother call me this week, and he said, Cindy, I'm done running. 
I said, you are. He said, I hit my knees because you said one thing. You said God stood. As, as Jesus walked on the water, Peter, he had to put out his hand. And, and Jesus may not have stood. I just said that one time. <laughs> we were at the hospital, and I was talking to my daddy while mom was having a procedure. And Gary heard, he stood. Just God, he stands. He stands for us. And he gives us grace. Romans 8, 5, 8 says, Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're in a fallen world right now. We can't even give grace to a lady in the checkout line that who won't hurry up. What have we become? What have we become that we are so, even as Christians... Jesus died for us. He redeemed us. We are so undeserving of his grace. But yet, he gives us grace, but we can't love on fellow, our fellow man. Let me tell you something. That, that criminal at the cross, this is how great his grace is. He, by faith, immediately said, leave him alone. He's the Christ. And at that second... You'll be with me in paradise. What? He was a sinful man just as much as everyone else. But that story right there of a criminal on the cross got to go to heaven that day. He goes, I'll see you in heaven. Because he stood up for Jesus right then and there. Oh, that story. And there's a Pinterest. I saw it. I was studying. It said, that man, that man in the middle said I could be with him. Oh, that caught me. That man in the middle said, I can be with him. Oh, so amazing. You know, on our Wednesday nights with these kids, we get a lot of visitors. We get a lot of little kids whose friends bring them or moms drop them off and they go somewhere else. That's fine. You know, God, you're entrusting me with these little ones. I don't care. But what if I... There's one, one day a mom didn't come till like 8.30 and I'd already gone home and Callie was there. But what if Callie had gone, where you been? We're done at 8 o'clock. Where you been? I'm, I, I'm tired. I want to go home. But that's not my job. My job is to go, are you okay? Are you okay? Do, can we do something for you? It's okay if you're late. It's okay. That's my job is to love on that mom or dad who can't get to their kid. I don't know what's going on in their life. They don't attend. They just bring their kid. It's my chance to speak into those kids. You know, we just don't know. You know, marriage, marriage is probably one of the biggest chances that we can give grace to our spouses. You know, it's tough. We're raising kids. We're doing the best we can. And grace is going out of our way to give your compassion and love, even if they don't appreciate it. They may be having a bad day, but yet if you come in and you give them some love and attention and affection, maybe you've had a bad day too and you ain't got it in you. But one of you need to bring it up. One of you need to dig deep and go, okay, maybe his day was worse than mine. But Christ showed that to us. We should love our spouses. And God will honor you for that. If, don't give up. Show your faithfulness to your spouse. Just keep loving on them like Christ would. If you're in the business world, good luck to you. My friend Eric's here, and he tells me tons of stories. 
He tells, and I'm just like, I know, Eric, I get them too. You get those customers that they're mad at the world because their plumbing don't work or their boat lights don't work. And so you, you've just got to love on them and do what you can. But sometimes you don't know what those people are going through. You know, they, and so I've now learned to be like Christ. Kind of just go, okay, I understand. I've heard every lingo, plumbing lingo in the world. But I need to care for you and listen to you. Even at the store, Terry's good at this. I'm not. But if someone, he likes to josh around with the salesperson. If that person's not nice to me, I don't, I'm like, okay, just check me out. Nuh-uh, not this man. Uh, how's your day? How are you doing? Is everything okay? You having a good day, bad day? Okay. He'll make them talk. And they laugh at him. So, so I sometimes need to take a chapter out of his book. So, but the Bible has a lot to say about grace. In fact, it's one of the most important concepts in the Bible. We are told that grace is an unconditional love. She's right here. She's right here. There's my son-in-law, Frankie. <laughs> Man, I am so loved, aren't I? <laughs> anyway, we are told that grace is unconditional love that you can show others regardless of the way they treat you. Wow, woo, that's big. That's a big one. Giving grace to someone that's mean to you. So, I'm going to talk a lot. Of, I still got a little bit of, I think I'm doing good. I'm doing good on time. So, uh, let me start winding down and let me tell you a few of Christ-like grace. The first one is big. And that's extending forgiveness. Ooh, yeah. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. Yeah, that's, that's not a debatable option, is it? No. 70 times 7. Yeah, it hurts. That person, they don't deserve it. I know. They hurt you, stabbed you in the back, talked about you. Yeah. But we're told countless times to forgive one another. But the good part about forgiveness is we're giving that person grace, whether they deserve it or not. It releases you and me from bitterness. That evil, that stuff that gets in your heart and you hate everyone and you hate life. You don't want to get up in the morning because you're so eat up. Yeah. But then when you let go, we can experience peace that you will never, I, I can't explain it. it. There's freedom. There's freedom in that, guys. And the, the weight of carrying that resentment, the guilt, the shame, when it's lifted, it allows us to move forward in our lives with renewed joy. Just amazing joy. As Christians, we are called to reflect on the forgiveness and grace that God has generously showered us. But may we always look to the Father for strength and guidance to extend that grace. Because I know it's not easy. I know. There's, I know stories of people out here that have been hurt. You know, and, and I'm sorry. I wish I could apologize for every one of them that hurt you. But just give it to them. You know, I... 
I don't ever want to leave this world and someone be mad at me because they were mad at, they thought I was mad at them. But um, just maybe one day you find the love that you can to forgive someone else. Number two, showing grace to others because God demonstrates his own love for us every day. Every single day. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, he does not stop loving you. You could be rotten, like I said, to the core. Rotten, no good, but it doesn't matter. You may think, oh, God couldn't love that person. Oh, you know what? He loves them more than you can even fathom. You know why? Because he made that person just like he made you. It does not matter. He wants you have to love every day. But when we, because he demonstrates his own love for us, these are some ideas. This is what he does for us. Do you have a roof over your head? Yeah. Were you able to put gas in your car? Do you have food on the table? Do you have clothes you get up and wear? You, get, you can turn your lights on and off. You got AC right now because right now we, we need the AC. There are so many things that God does us, for us every day. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion. The only way for us Christians to be better each day is to... Did I just say that, y'all? Did I just say that? I think I just... I did. I I repeated myself. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, let me see. Let me go. Okay, I already said that. But we're told that grace is unconditional love that you can show to others regardless of the way they treat you. So, if God longs to be gracious to us, and he demonstrates his love for us in every aspect of your life, every aspect, we have to show others regardless, here we go again, of the way they treat you. It, it, you know, driving down the road, I get it. Just like today, I sat behind two cars. Each car would not move. Clevernight's talking said, we need to stop honking at people. That's rude. Well, I, I took that to heart. I took it to heart, okay? So I sat there, both sides, both people, and I stood there and I said, honk. Okay, I was patient enough a long time, like, I got to go, Okay. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm trying to be gracious. Well, and then you're driving down the road, and maybe you accidentally got over too close, and someone gives you the nice, hello, have a nice day, sign. You know, yeah. No, that's my thing, too. When someone does that to me, I'm like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah. So, yeah, I do that. So, you know, it's just so funny how people have just, we've gotten in such a world that we don't, we have lost our love for people. And I'm, I'm talking to a group. I know this is crazy because I've got a group of people that love. You know, I'm looking out here and across a room that we love our pastors. We love our church family. We're constantly serving. But then I'm just trying to remind you on those times when your grace level is about this long, yeah. I actually did skip a page, and I'm going to go back to it because I just remembered something, and my husband's going to be quite proud of me on this one. So in the plumbing industry, we have a term, RMP, which stands for Responsible Master Plumber. 
an RMP is the one responsible for keeping the insurance. He's the one that's responsible for, you know, just all the things running the business. So I came up with a term, an RGG, a responsible grace giver. I was kind of proud of myself. So this kind of falls in line. When those people that aren't kind to you and you don't love them, then you just be a responsible grace giver, and then your day will be complete. So my final word is the power of our words. Words can hurt and words can heal. Words can have a major impact on you and you and you. We can use our words to lift up or we can use them to put down. So Proverbs 15, 4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's so remarkable to consider that what we say to and about others can potentially change their lives. Can you, do, you know you like those days when someone comes up to you and goes, Ooh, you look so pretty. I like your dress. You know, it, 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 it does something for you. Just giving someone a little bit of confidence by saying those things can lift others. Words can lift up, they can inspire, and they can encourage, or they can wound. But discouragement and all those other things, they will leave lasting impressions. So you can either inspire and encourage, or you, they can wound and discourage. But whatever your words are, if they're good words, they'll leave long and lasting impressions. If they're ugly words, they'll do the same thing. But I guarantee you those ugly words will leave a longer impression on somebody. So we should use our words to always lift up people. So in those moments, grace and forgiveness will be the forefront of Christ-like behavior. So that's a big one. You know, you, you have to use your words to uplift. We always remember those times of hurt words or actions towards us. But it's in those times we must remember the words that Jesus spoke. 2 Corinthians 12, 19, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God knew that there would be times that it would be hard for us to forgive those that hurt us. It really, he did. But yet because of his grace, his strength will give us those times. Through the cross and resurrection, we can live differently and model a Christ-like life. We can walk with humility and grant grace even to those who don't deserve it. Back again to that who don't. But we have to. Because of Jesus' example, we owe it to him. May we always strive in our speech to uplift others and be a source of healing, inspiration, and empowerment all down this road of life. So now I'm going to get to the reason why we're here tonight. I have a little girl. I have a little granddaughter. I guess I skipped a whole bunch of stuff, guys, but I've, I've got like 15 minutes left anyway. There's a little grandkid of mine, and her name is Hattie Grace. Hadley Grace, actually. That's, and her name is Grace for a reason. I've learned this. She's the cutest little thing you'll ever see. If you ever come and see, I, I will show you her. So I'm a, a yay, y'all. I know that sounds weird, but Lolly was supposed to be my grandma name, but Abbott, my first granddaughter, couldn't say it. So yay, y'all came out. They all call me yay, y'all. It's stuck. I love it. There's not a yay, y'all in the planet but me. I've looked all over. So I'll take it. So anyway, on Wednesday nights, I go and get the grandkids for church, okay? 
Um, it's just something I've done. I don't know how many years I've done it now. I've had as many as eight kids in my car on a Wednesday night because Sarah's kids bring friends. And so we're in the car. We're always in the car. They pile on in. They roll those windows down, and off we go to church. Yeah. The Jobs will tell me one day. They called me one day, and they said, um, you do know you're driving down the road with your windows down, and you're going to get in trouble one day. I'm like, no, I'll never get in trouble. You know, I got this. It's okay. So we have the windows rolled down. We're screaming, yelling, singing, whatever. We're just doing all the things. So we get to church, and we get in here, and we have fun. So this one particular Wednesday night, I didn't have that many grandkids. I had Sarah and Trent's kids. And Miss Hattie Grace is behind me right here. Behind, she's in. Now, mind you guys, forgive me. I don't buckle them in. It's Wednesday night. It's 830. I'm exhausted. I've worked all day. I've been upstairs. I've already told you what those kids do. I throw them in the car. I said, get in the car. It's just got to go home. So we get in the car. We're driving. I didn't pay any attention to Hattie Grace having the window down. There, we're turning from, we're leaving. We're turning left onto West Henderson by the Walgreens. I see a police officer. I'm like, Hattie, roll up your window. She didn't roll up her window, but anyway, we continue on. I'm turning right onto Nolan River, and right behind me is that policeman. My heart sank. I got literally sick to my stomach. And I went, well, and the girls, you should see, they're, what's happening? I said, exactly what I'm telling you. I'm going to get pulled over one day. And sure enough, that police officer pulled me over. He comes up to the car. I already have my driver's license out. Officer, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know I've broken every law in the book. I am so sorry. He goes, where have you been? First of all, he goes, are these kids yours? (laughs) I went, they're my grandkids, but yeah, they belong to me. He goes, well, where you been? I said, we've been at church. I said, it's my job on Wednesdays to take all the grandkids home. And he's like, okay. And uh, I said, I'm sorry. I know. And I just kept apologizing profusely, you know, and I'm trying not to cry and be very responsible. And he's like, okay. And he goes, okay, well, you have your license. Let me go run you. And I said, okay. And the, gir- the girls are in the car. They're like, are, you, are, are we in trouble? And I said, yes, you're in trouble. <laughs> and so I just immediately just like, I just start praying, okay, God, I know I messed up. I messed up. Well, little I forgot that Miss Kinley has a cell phone. She's back there texting her mommy. I did not know this. And... Um, so she's back there texting her mommy, and so the police officer comes back up, and I didn't know this. I didn't know she'd been texting her mommy. And so he comes back up. His name was Officer Lee. He's actually new to the police department here in Cleburne because my friend, Officer Carmack, had, was telling Terry and I about him. And so um, he comes back up, and he goes, uh, Miss Mangrum, will you please step out of the car? I said, am I in trouble? He goes, please step out of the car. And I mean, and then now, Kinley, I found this later. Kinley's texting her mommy, she's going to jail. She's going to jail. So Terry, Sarah is telling Trent, who just got home from work, you got to go get your mom. you got to go get your mom. So I get out of the car, and he, take, he goes, just, Miss Mangrum, I want to speak to you. So we go back to this, you know, back behind the car, and he goes, nothing I can do to you, no ticket that I give you will make up for how you are feeling about yourself right now. He said, but let me tell you something. He said, I think you're the fun grandma. You're taking them to church. 
you just are showing them what it, you just love them, you want to be fun. But I never want to pull up and something happened to you and these kids. And I said, I know, I know. I said, you're right. I just throw them in the car and we go. I said, we're going right up to Shawnee. He had asked me that earlier and, and I told him I was just going to Shawnee, which was right there. And he goes, I know. And he goes, it's okay. He said, I'm not going to write you a ticket. I'm not even going to give you a warning because I think you've learned your lesson. And I said, I have. And I thanked him, and I, I just, I was just overcome. And he's new to Cleveland, actually. He's from DeSoto, and they say he goes by the book pretty strict. So I guess if someone had the grace of God all over her that night, that was me. And so um, the kids buckled up. They rolled up their windows, and I drove to Sarah, and Sarah's outside waiting. And she said, Kenley was texting me. She didn't know what was going to happen. I said, oh, I didn't know she was even texting you. She's third grade with a phone texting her mama. So uh, anyway, um, I got him out, and I go home, and I drove all the way home. And I'm kind of glad I had a little bit of a drive. I drove home, and I kept thinking, I just got the biggest gift of grace. But how much more grace has God given us I just, I just couldn't, I was so overwhelmed. I was shook to the core. And all I could do was I said, you know what, God? That grace is nothing. Nothing to what you've done for us. That you sent your perfect son to die for us. You put, he's put himself up on a cross, hugged there for me. I, I, I was just... You know, but yet now in this broken world we're in, we can't even give someone the courtesy of saying, I'm sorry, ma'am, your kids, I get it, you're in line. You see them, you see these moms just broken down with these kids, but yet we want them to hurry up, get your kids out of the way. I got to go somewhere. But when was the last time you really said, can I help you? Is there something I can do for you? You know, a lot of time in our business, we extend grace to people who can't even afford. I'm not trying to brag about it. I'm just saying that's. I have a customer, Mr. Hune. He's the greatest man you'll ever meet. And, and I just want him to know what God's grace looks like. Cindy, I can't pay you this month. That's okay, Fred. It's okay. You'll get it. You'll get it next month. I, I'm not worried. But I want us to just sometimes deep down just think about people that really need it. That we need to just love our, and we as Christians, it's our job to show non-Christians what that looks like. So, anyway, I know I've been long-winded and I've enjoyed your, but if y'all all stand, I'll finish up and we'll just close out. We've got about a few more minutes and I'll wind this down. But there's so many Bible stories about grace. We could be here all night and I know there's a lot more people that, have way more experience in speaking than I do. But I love these opportunities because when you've been given the much grace that I have in my life, I can think back on times where there's, there's times that I'm like, wow, I'm still standing. There was a time when I left God and did things that were wrong, but he took me back. He takes me back every day when I mess up. It's just a little word, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But because of Jesus on the cross, I, I want to walk with him more. I don't want to mess up. 
I don't want his grace to be my get-out-of-jail-free card. God gave us grace, not for a get-out-of-jail-free card, but just on those times that we do slip up. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm saved. I'm saved by grace. I can do what I want to. No, that's not how that goes. You just get grace because he wants to see you in heaven. That's what it is, guys. So I would just like to encourage to see the world, see, see the world through God's eyes and give grace to those even when it hurts. <laughs> Deep down, married couples, moms, single moms, Ashley, moms, when your kids are sick, when you deal with so much. Then when we choose to put our faith in Christ and in his redemptive act of being crucified for our sins, we, when we choose to put our faith in Christ and in his redemptive act of being crucified for our sins, God justifies us with his grace and his mercy. Can you bow with me, please? Father God, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed of your love and your grace that you give us day in and day out when we are so undeserving of it. God, your mercies are new every morning. Your love is new every morning. Father, I just thank you for all of that that you give us. God, I think that we're able to thank you for a time to come here on Wednesday nights, this midweek pick-me-up, Lord, that when we've gone through the trenches, when we've gone through all those things, that we're able to come to you and just worship you for just a little bit and give you praise and glory for all that you've done. So, Lord, I pray tonight that you go with us, keep us safe as we go home, watch over our families. Lord, be with our pastors as they travel. And may we always remember to give you the gratitude, just like this song. Lord, I pray we continue to give you the gratitude that you so, so deserve. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, forgive us of our sins and give us a great night of sleep. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. And to my friends and family, I hope I didn't talk too much. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going, I had a part in here going, I don't know how Pastor Mike stands and talks for an hour. But that's pretty easy. <laughs> Thank you all. Good night. got one response I've got just one more.